The Bastards are back for this Tuesday edition of the podcast. We are a part of the Minute Media Podcast Network. Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When the Red Sox are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you're easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Charlie Smith coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. You can find the podcast at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight, we have Jason Kelly coming to us from Kent, Massachusetts by way of Westwood, Massachusetts. Jason, how are you doing and where can the fans find you? I'm doing pretty well. Um, just playing out the string at this point, you know, only a couple weeks left. Oddly enough, feels like, uh, I don't know, it feels like the end of the season is going to be here before we know it. So kind of a depressing thought. But um, yeah, if you want to come yell at me on Twitter, you can find me at Color of the Iris. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. Also joining us tonight, we have Terry Cushman coming to us from Myrtle Beach all the way by way of Wyndham, Maine. Terry, how are you doing? How's the weather down there? And where can the fans find you on Twitter? Finally, cooling off just a little bit down here in the Myrtle Beach area. And uh, I can be found on Twitter, at CushmanMLB. And uh, fun fact, I'm not, I'm not a sentimental guy by any means, but this show tonight... The 500th episode of the Bastards of Boston. And we had some other names along the way. The Benny and the Betts podcast, which uh, was a fun era. We won a World Series uh, while it was under that name. But, yeah, so here's to the next 500. That's fantastic. I uh, I, I know you mentioned that that was uh, going to be happening today. So happy 500, and we're, we're looking forward to another 500. And we know that we couldn't have gotten this far without all of our dedicated and loyal supporters and uh, our great hosts that we have on the show. So without further ado, we are going to get into some hot takes. Or no, excuse me, not hot takes. Totally legit or calling the cops. So for totally legit or calling the cops, number one, Ryan Brazier will remain a member of the Boston Red Sox in 2023. This is totally legit. Are you calling the cops? Jason, I'll have you lead off, and then Terry will go second. I'm going to say totally legit. Um, I don't trust this organization to move on from pitchers when they need to. Um, they couldn't move on from Hansel Robles. They brought him in on a minor league deal this year. He somehow ended up pitching for us, and which was a miraculous disaster. Um, I, I still I think Brian Brazier is going to be the same thing. He'll be brought back on like a minor league deal and everyone's going to tell us, oh, you know, that's fine. He probably won't make the roster. There's going to be an injury somewhere in spring training and Ryan Brazier is going to end up on the 40-man roster by hook or crook. So I'm going to say totally legit. He is somehow back here next year. I am also going to say totally legit. He's actually next year's is our three years, so I, I think he, he just simply comes back. But um, the reason I think he will be back is it would have been really easy to get rid of him by now, and they still haven't. So 
I think it ultimately comes down to more of an Alex Cora thing. I think for some reason, Alex Cora just loves Ryan Brazier. And I I don't know who really the worst guy in our pen is right now, other than maybe Caleb Ort. Even Matt Barnes has kind of pitched somewhat decently, uh, at least compared to the uh, first couple months. So, I think unfortunately we're gonna we're gonna continue to watch chapter after chapter of the Ryan Brazier chainsaw massacre. Yeah, it's gonna be three for three on that one. Um, Ryan Brazier had an abysmal month of August. Abysmal. Fourteen runs, thirteen of which were earned in twelve innings of work. Got blown up in five different games or four, if you want to be generous. It just wasn't in the cards, and the month of July was not any better. He allowed a combined 23 earned runs in 21 innings of relief. Awful. And so far in the month of September, one run on one hit not earned in five innings. So a little bit of of positive uh, pitching there. It just took two months. But the problem is the Red Sox don't have a bullpen. We've lost five or six guys that have just completely fallen apart and just lost their ways for the lack of a better term. I don't think the Red Sox want to go complete 180 and shift and get a completely new bullpen with a completely new face. I don't think that's going to be ideal. Terry already mentioned that he's ARB3. Guy's making 1.4 million next year. So you could pay him 2 million or 1.75, a, a barely like noticeable raise. And he's, that that less than two million. That's still a steal for Brazier. Um, I think that's going to be fine. Uh, Terry, was there something else you want to add on? Just one last thing. I mean, he just turned thirty-five. So at some point next season, thirty-six. How many guys that are that terrible get to hang around in their age thirty-six season? That's what frustrates me here. You know, it's we're talking about players that are a little bit older that aren't really doing too well towards that that time. And then you have players that leave the Red Sox and go to, gee, I don't know, the Mets, and then find Jesus, and then have a just over two ERA, completely rework themselves as a reliever, and that's Adam Ottavino. So will Ryan Brazier be great on another team next year? I don't know. But for 1.6 or 1.7 million, I'd take a flyer on him. He's still going to be worth. It's still paying. You're still paying less money for him than you were for Salamora, and he couldn't pitch at Fenway to save his life. So that was that. Uh, Jason, was there anything else you would like to add for that one? Nope. All right. Cool. We're going to slide into number two. Number two for totally legit or calling the cops. Tristan Casas will have a serviceable 2023 campaign after a very disappointing year in 2022 where he is currently hitting .088, and two of his three hits are home runs. Is this totally legit, or are you calling the cops? Oof. I really want to call the cops, mainly just to piss off the Illuminati. Um, but I still have faith that Tristan Casas is a really good player who just had kind of a funky year with injuries and um, didn't get called up until, you know, really it was too late in my opinion. Um, I think that 
as long as he goes into next year with first base guaranteed to him, then I think he will have a serviceable 2023. And, uh, you know, this, this slump that he's in right now will look like a thing of the past. So I'm going to say totally legit. I still think Casas is a legit prospect and he'll turn it around. He'll make whatever adjustments he needs to in the fall and winter. And he'll have a full spring training to go through and should be your everyday first baseman going into next year. And I think that will help him a lot. So I'll say totally legit. I'm going to agree with Jason and also say totally legit, but is my confidence level high based on the small sample size? I can't say that it is. And, you know, before he got called up, it just seemed like a, you know, a certainty that he would be up next year one way or the other. I was kind of wondering, I'm like, well, do you keep Hosmer at that point? Because you're so lefty heavy and he's a lefty just like Casas. So it's not really a platoon scenario that you can have there at first base. It's just Hosmer's an awkward fit, but after seeing Casas struggle the, the way that he has, I just, I think, I think Hosmer is essentially an insurance policy. So it's, I just hope he just starts raking. You know, you see so many of these phenom prospects come up and hit the ground running and make an immediate impact. And I think we were kind of hoping that for Casas, and it really hasn't been. Just, just for, you know, kicks, I guess. Bobby Dahlbeck's actually hitting okay down in uh, Worcester last week. I mean, 263 with a 348 on base slugging only 316 so just throwing that out there uh, i kind of hope we don't see doll back next year because i think that's just going to be a sign of an epic failure that took place over the winter but but regardless first base is still kind of um you know got a ton of question marks again you know for the second or third year in a row so I think you guys brought up some really, really great points. Tristan Cassis is five years, I believe five years younger than Bobby Dahlbeck. And in Bobby's first time up in Boston, he was 24, 25 years old. Did not really do crazy, crazy good. I have to pull up his numbers because I want to make sure I'm not misquoting or misspeaking. Um, Bobby Dahlbeck kind of had that, you know, I, or about him, 25 years, oh, so he's 25 years old. He had eight homers and 16 RBIs and 80 at-bats. So he's hitting a home run in one out of every 10. That's pretty sweet if you're Bobby D. Now, the caveat to that was while he did hit 263, he struck out 39 times in 80 at-bats. So he's striking out half the time. That's not really good. That's not very great. And last year, he also had 25 home runs, most of which were happening against bum pitchers none of them were really big names and that's just a statement of fact this year we saw major regression he didn't even hit halfway up on on the numbers from the following year 
um, or from the prior year, and he struck out in way too many at-bats in relation to total plate appearances and at-bats. I think that Tristan Cassis will be a serviceable option. The reason why I'm calling the cops, and I'm not saying totally legit, is that I don't think it's going to be 2023. I think we're going to be probably waiting for 2024, 2025, because of the logjam that we have at first base. And even if we got rid of other people, Cassis still isn't ready. I think spending that, you know, hitting that injury really put a snag into this campaign. I, I think it was a mistake to call him up. I think it's, you know, it's cute, but we're not playing for anything. He's just started the clock on a player that we might've been able to potentially hold for a little while longer. I think 2024, 2025 is more along the timeline where we're going to see Casas dominate. Um, anything that either one of you folks wanted to add to that one? All right. Number three, the Boston Red Sox will acquire and or sign a closer in 2023. Is that totally legit? Are you calling the cops? I'm going to call the cops on that one. I don't think that that is, that's not a move that High and Bloom would want to make. Um, I don't think he would want to give up prospects for an established closer. I think he believes that he's got an established closer already in either Tanner Houck or Garrett Whitlock. Take your pick. But it's going to be one of those two guys. Um, I think he still thinks Matt Barnes is a uh, you know serviceable closer if it comes down to it. So I just don't see him, even if the Red Sox bullpen is kind of a disaster again, which we hope it's not, but even if they're struggling there, I can't see him giving up top prospects for any reliever, be it a closer or not. So I'm going to call the cops. It's not a trade that I see High and Bloom making. I think that he would rather find the solution in-house, and I think that he believes he already has. So I'm calling the cops. I don't think he would do it. And before I get my take, is it strictly to trade for a closer or possibly sign one as well? It's a great question. Sign as an acquire or, uh, or sign, sign one or acquire one. So one or the other. Okay. Either way, I'm still going to call the cops. I mean, I don't see, I mean, what's a premier closer going to cost you probably eight to 12 million at least. And I think eight would probably be a little too low. So that's not definitely, I don't think we're going to see that from high bloom ever uh, during his tenure with the, the Red Sox. And then I I think it's still a little too early for major trades out of this farm system. I I think Bloom is obsessed with having a top three and maybe even a top one farm system. And I don't think he's going to start making trades out of it unless he knows he's going to be able to restock it fairly quickly. So... All around, I would still have to call the cops uh, on on him uh, pursuing one way or the other uh, an established closer. All right. Uh, I'm actually going to say calling the cops because similar to what Jason mentioned, it just doesn't seem like something the Red Sox are willing to venture back out and do. The Red Sox have been bit so many times in the past by former closers that just did not work out in Boston 
whether it had been a one-year stint, a two-year stint, they just never worked out. I'm thinking of the late, you know, early 2010 to 2015 range when the Red Sox tried to get Mark Melanson. That didn't work out. The Red Sox tried to get Joel Hanrahan. That didn't work out. Both of which came from, I believe, the Pittsburgh Pirates, where we thought Mark Melanson was done. Ten years later, Mark Melanson's still in the game. Really frustrating. And then there was uh, the Oakland guy, uh, Andrew Bailey. That's another one. Just did not work out. It just doesn't work for Boston. We've had closers that, you know, before those three, some of them have blossomed. Uga Thurbina did okay for a year. Craig Kimbrell did okay for a year and a half, two years. And then they just flame out. They just, you know, chicken wing can't stay chicken wing for too long. We haven't had a real closer since probably John Pavelbon. And that's no disrespect to, um, oh my God, not Hideki Okajima, wrong guy. Koji Uehara. Koji Uehara, thank you. Koji Uehara, who only got his opportunity to be the closer because we lost our closer. So uh, it's just not an area where I think the Red Sox need to invest as the primary thing. The, The Red Sox need a bullpen more than they need a closer. Worst comes to worst, you have Garrett Whitlock, you have Tanner Houck, you have a couple of options. Getting a closer should not be your top your top thing. That, that should not be the, the number one thing you need to do this offseason. Signing Rocky Devers needs to be up there too. If it's not number one, it's it's 1B. Um, anything else that you gents want to add to that one? The only thing I'll say is like I could – the only way I could see him potentially making that move is if he signs a guy like Ken Giles who used to be an established closer, has had a lot of injury trouble, but I think if he signed him, you know, he would be dirt cheap right now. Um, you, you know, the guy's just out on the street looking for a job. So that's the only way, like, I could see Bloom signing him and then phrasing it as, oh, yeah, no, I went and got a legit closer. And Giles has 100, and, I don't know, I think he has like 130-something career saves. That's the only way I could see him doing it, but not an established guy who costs a lot of money. No way. You know who is not being talked about at all that could be signed? Because I'm thinking Giles, former Astro. And I would hate that, by the way. That dude would literally punch himself in the face if he got pulled from the game. I'm like, that's got Mark Melanson written all over it uh, for Fenway. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Bloom made that move, though, knowing him. But... Roberto Osuna, remember the Blue Jay got into a little bit of domestic violence trouble, pitched very well for the Astros, except when they played the Red Sox. Um, I could see Bloom possibly, uh, you know, going after a guy like him. And we got a couple of guys acquired recently, not the best history, you know, a couple of deadline guys. So, um, that's a quiet name that nobody talks about. So I'm just kind of wondering. Uh, and that would probably be a cheap one-year deal thing because he's coming off of Tommy John. So Pretty sweet. All right, cool. Moving on to number four. Our very own Andrew Dwan actually is Twins closer Michael Fulmer. Zdoppelganger. Is this totally legit? Or are you calling the cops? 
Oh man, I have not thought about that. All right, Let me give you guys a minute. I'm pulling up an Michael image Fulmer. right now. Uh, Let's see. I'm. I'll just skip ahead here. I, I got to call the cops. Okay. He, he's got, uh, you know, a, a more tanned uh, complexion, and Andrew doesn't quite have the the facial hair game uh, as Fulmer does. I, I got to call the cops. Yeah, I think I'm also going to call the cops. Fulmer is a little bit, uh, yeah, he's got more facial hair. Um, I think he also has a little bit more, like, on top. He's kind of grown his hair out now, so uh, he does look a little bit different than he did in his Detroit days. Um, but I'm I'm going to call the cops. It's kind of close if he were to, like, shave, maybe, but no, I, I'm calling the cops. I, I don't I don't think it's a match picture that I'm looking at right now, if Andrew Juwan grew his hair out, I'm thinking they're twins. So I'm going to say this is totally legit. So if if I'm really on the podcast with with Michael Fulmer, dude, I, I actually uh, I I had you on my fantasy team for a little bit. That's pretty sweet. That's pretty cool. Um, but there, there's a couple photos in here. I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through Andrew's photo. I mean, Michael Fulmer's photos on here. And uh, I don't know, man. I think there's a chance. There's a chance that he could play. If you throw, if a Fulmer jersey gets thrown around Andrew, they might say, okay, you're up. Ninth inning, let's go. That's just me. Taylor, was there something else you want to add? I get compared to Josh Taylor a lot, which perhaps just a little bit I can see. I have had a couple of times, and this is not necessarily the greatest guy to get compared to, uh, at least at the moment, is uh, Trevor Bauer. <laughs> so I can show you tweets of people uh, saying that. Having said that, there's some new information in the Bauer thing that kind of, you know, kind of makes him look a little less guilty. I I'm not all the way there, but there's uh, there's more doubt, you know, in in my mind getting, uh, you know, kind of created there as, as more stuff comes out. But still, I'm, I'm probably not a guy I want to look like now yeah no i do see the josh taylor the resemblance that's it's pretty uncanny yeah i don't know which uh i don't know i've got jason, we gotta find we gotta find our own who's our doppelganger jason well he he was only with the red Sox for a little bit but taylor modder was probably the closest one that looked like me because he had the long hair and the beard um he got he a quick cup coffee hair. with the red Sox last year yeah he sucked but that's pretty okay. That's fair because he came from Colorado, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, either Colorado or Seattle, but yeah, he was he was I probably might, the closest one. What about a long-haired Jake Degrom? I don't know. I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah, he had like curls Jason? though. He did. True. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You're right. I think uh, Degrom. Right, that's your homework assignment can kind of look like Tom Brady at times. I think that there's a close resemblance there. A lot of people tend to disagree with that, but that's not wrong. He has such pretty hair though. Him and Thor had such nice hair. He was more that's durable when he had long hair. Yeah. yeah, I know that's, that's your homework assignment, by the way, you guys got to try to find my doppelganger major league baseball. I'll wait. You know, uh, I've thought Kike for you at times. I could see that. Yeah. Oh, Kike's, you know, a half a foot taller minimum but 
literally everybody's taller. <laughs> There's not many people that are, you know, if you find somebody shorter, that's probably Dustin Pedroia. I think he's not a bad one. Yeah, that's the closest uh, off the top of my head. That's not a bad one. I like Kike. So that's that's a... How can you not like a name like that, too? Enrique Kike Hernandez. What a sweet name. Uh, I'll take that one, I suppose. Uh, cool. Right on. So, uh, Michael Fulmer, if you are listening to the show, you got a little shout-out from Red Sox Nation. So, welcome. Number five on the hit parade, Brian Bayo will be one of the better pitchers for Boston next year, obviously, but will be their ace in 2024. Totally legit. Are you calling the cops? I'm going to go with totally legit. Um, again, I'm kind of, I'm kind of buying in on Brian Bayo and certainly will he better be one of the better pitchers for the Red Sox next season? Yeah. Because I don't know what the hell the rest of that rotation is going to look like outside of Nick Pavetta, Chris sale. Like, give me a break, please. Um, I think, you know, Terry's mentioned it before. I think Michael Walker is a goner. I think his, his price tag just skyrocketed. So you're not going to get him back. I think Rich Hill is going to retire because he doesn't like all the new rules and he's being a baby about it. So he's going to take his ball and go home. Um, you know, apart from Bayo and Pavetta, I don't know. Like, does Evaldi come back on the QO? No idea. Maybe. But I think even if he does, I think Bayo will have a better year than Nate Evaldi would. And I think he'll have a better year than Pavetta. So um, it really depends on what they do with the starting rotation, who they add, if, you know, if they go out and sign anybody or if they make any deals. But yeah, Brian Bayo has the stuff and he has the potential to absolutely uh, continue to progress. And I think by 2024, especially given sales age and given, you know, everything else that's going to go on, I think Bayo could absolutely be your ace slash opening day starter by 2024. So I'm going to say totally legit on all of that. I'll say totally legit as well. Uh, you only have Sale and Pavetta controllable through. Actually, I think, yeah, 2024 is the last guaranteed year of the Sale deal. But, but here's something else to consider, too. If somehow, some way, we do bring back Michael Waka. Is he going to be as good as he was this year? I think there's going to be at least some degree of uh, regression uh, going forward. Not to say he'll be bad, but um, I, I think this year will forever be the outlier of his career. And, you know, so be it. But I I would just like to see a little bit more velo out of Bayo if they could tick it up just a little bit. Um then my confidence would would really skyrocket. But he's put together a good three or four starts in a row now with, uh, you know, a decent amount of strikeouts. So um, I'd say totally legit. I'm going to say totally legit, and I don't think it's going to be even remotely close. I think what he's been able to do this year is just nothing short of remarkable. I'm super happy for him. Um I think just what you guys said, Michael Waka is pitching his last meaningful innings as a member of the Red Sox because the Red Sox are not going to give him 357 or 354, probably 18 per for a year, per year for three years. There's going to be a team who does it because there's always one stupid team. Last year, the Texas Rangers took the cake on that by giving Corey Seager 300 and was it 15 million? 
325. I can't remember what his contract is. I got to look it up. Uh, uh, 325 for Seager. 325 for Seager, and that was over how many years? 10. Stupid amount of money. Just dumb. He's never going to live up to that contract. And um, there's going to be regression for Michael Walker, but there's going to be a team that buys in. And it won't be the Red Sox. We won't be foolish enough to do that. At least I hope not. What if we uh, go after Syndergaard? Is that unrealistic? Want? It's not unrealistic, but it really depends on how much he's going to ask for. True. So if he's looking at getting what the Angels gave him, which is $20 million for one year, you bet your bottom dollar the answer is going to be a hell bleeping no. There's no way the Red Sox are going to allocate $20 million to one more player. There's just no way. None. And, and no disrespect to Corey Seager. Corey Seager has 30 home runs this year at 78 RBIs. He's hitting under 250, three stolen bases, not scaring anybody. But I will say that much. He's had more home runs. Th- he's had almost the same number of home runs this year than he's had in the last two years as a member of the Dodgers. So he does have that going for him. One more home run, he, he'll match that number. So I, I just, yeah, Walk I think is done. As far as his time here, Cindergard. What is the most? Uh, let's let's talk about him for a second. We'll freestyle for a moment. What is the most money you are willing to give Cindergard for one year, or would you give him a two-year deal? Because oh, he's would. getting a multi-year deal. I would think. I wouldn't do it with what I've seen so far. I yeah, I agree. I don't think I would either. I don't trust his health. I don't trust. I also don't think that he's, you know, I mean, he, he's decent. He's had an okay year there, out there in L.A., but it's not like he's come back to be the old Thor that he first was when he when he first came up. Um, so I, I think the combination of the money and the length of the contract he's going to want, I could just see that being a disaster where, you know, again, maybe the health problems crop up again or something, and it just ends up being a big waste of money. So I, I would steer clear of that. It's been three years since Thor has been a relevant pitcher. In 2019, he struck out 202 guys. So far, since that year, in the last two years combined, he has 92 strikeouts. That's it. He's less than half that number, and he's pitched in more than one season. He's got, let's see how many starts, 25 starts spanning the last three years because 2020 was a, was a gone year. That was the COVID year. No one really did anything. He was recovering from injury. But Noah Syndergaard used to be known as a flamethrower. He threw fire. And in 2016, his K-9 was 10-7. Two years after that was 9-2. This year, I hope you guys are sitting down. It's five. That's his K-9. He's no longer the flamethrower. He's no longer the fear pitcher that he used to be. I wouldn't give him $8 million to pitch in Boston because I don't know what I'm getting. And here's the thing. If I'm willing to give him $8 million, holy crap, what am I willing to give for Michael Waka? What would it take to get Waka to come back? Considering we only gave him a couple million. That's it. it well, he got eight. But with Waka, I think I mentioned it on the last show, I, I'm pretty confident they'll give him the qualifying offer because that will – 
what that'll do is it'll it'll give them leverage at that point to just negotiate an extension because once that qualifying offer is attached to him, that's going to take out so many other teams that aren't going to be willing to give up a pick for a guy who does carry a little bit of risk with some injury history. So I think the Red Sox give him that initially, and then perhaps – after that, it becomes a, a three-year, $45 million deal, like 15 per over the course of, of three years. I think that's what will happen. Whatever the contract is that he gets, it won't possibly be as stupid as the one the Red Sox gave to James Paxton, who was a complete waste, like a complete bum. $6 million this year. No one's ever going to convince me that well, the deal that he signed with the Red Sox was worth it. I mean, it wasn't because it, it didn't help us this year like they expected it to, but they'll they'll decline the option on the remaining two years, and then it's just up to Paxton on whether or not he wants to exercise the $4 million player option. Uh, can he get more than that on the open market? I'm guessing he might be able to. I don't know if teams are going to be willing to take a chance on Paxton right now. Like he's really only had one or two decent years in the last like six or seven. Like he just is not consistent. 2020 didn't do it. 2021 forget it this year. Nothing. 2019 with the Yankees he went 15 and six decent year before that 11 and six year before that 12 and five before that nothing. So he's had like two and a half, maybe three good years. And even then, one season has he not had at least one injury it'll just be who spends more time on the injured list him or sale oh sale <laughs> probably yeah probably sale is here for sure yep uh cool anything else you just want to add to that one uh, nope. all right here we go this is my non-red Sox related one aaron judge will set the legitimate home run record this season say that because legitimate is an important word here. Aaron Judge will set the legitimate home run record this season and will leave the Yankees this offseason. Is that totally legit or are you calling the cops? I'm going to say totally legit on both. Um, I think he's close enough at this point that he can absolutely do it. And, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to re-sign with the Yankees. I really don't. I think that they um, – for whatever reason or in whatever way, I think they sort of botched the negotiations with him. Um, he seems like he's pretty much mentally checked out of New York. I think at this point he just, you know, does what he can when, when he goes up to the plate and, you know, obviously he wants to win. So I, I don't think that he's checked out in that regard, but I think mentally he's ready to move on to a different team and whether it's, one of the California-based teams because he's from there and he wants to kind of go back home. I don't know. Or if he's just going to sit back in free agency and say, you know, all right, let's see who offers me the best deal because he's definitely – he's going to win the MVP at this point. I don't think Shohei is going to is going to beat him out for it. I think that Judge what Judge is doing is too historic and his team is actually going to go to the playoffs, unlike Otani's. So he's going to win the MVP by a landslide. He can just sit back and just wait for all the, you know, 300, maybe even $400 million contract offers to come in and just pick wherever he wants to go. But I do not think he's going to go back to the Yankees. So, yeah, I think totally legit on both. 
That's kind of a two-parter. Um, as far as the home run record, totally legit. It's looking like mid to upper 60s at this point. I'm, I'm wondering, I mean, unofficially, officially, whatever you want to call it. I mean, Bonds has 73, which was done in 2001. I mean, can he go nuts? He had two today. So he'd probably have to hit almost one per game. So I, I'm guessing not at this point, but he's probably going to end up in the 65 to 68 range minimum. And I don't know how long it'll take for that to get touched. I mean, MLB loves to mess with those baseballs and humidor some years, non-humidor other years for for these uh, ballparks. But I. Uh, as far as the second part, I'm going to, I have to break from Jason. I, I just, I don't think Cashman can survive not getting this done. I just think all the marketing, everything in New York goes through Judge. He's, no player in MLB is the face of their franchise like Aaron Judge is for the Yankees. So I just don't see how they, they don't get it done. I think they're gonna they're gonna pay the man, and it's gonna be at least a hundred million more than the the two thirty or so that they offered him. I think I think they have to do it, and if he has some postseason heroics, that solidifies it even more. So I'm gonna say this much: I think he's gonna get the legitimate record because the sixty six sixty. 361 Sosa had, the 70 that McGuire had, the 73 that Bonds had. Aaron Judge is going to break Sammy Sosa's dirty record, Roger Maris's clean record, and is on the precipice of hitting Sammy Sosa's 63. We may never see 60 again. We could. Maybe Judge does it again in his career. Judge isn't going to do something stupid like uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and get caught with some stupid, stupid performance-enhancing substance. The guy is six foot seven. He's an absolute titan. He's a monster. There is going to be a team that gives him thirty-five to forty million per. He is going to get his ridiculous contract, and I still think it's going to be in the, in the East. I don't think it's going to be in the American League East. I think there will be a National League team. That inquires, that pulls some strings, and ensures that Aaron Judge does not have to leave New York. But it's not going to be as a member of the Bombers. And I can think of nothing more special than a Mets-Yankees series where Aaron Judge is raining home runs at Yankee Stadium wearing Mets colors. I can find nothing more desirable and more exciting to watch next year if the Red Sox, for whatever reason, are not a competitive team. I will be all in on the Mets if Aaron Judge goes to New York. Well, if you say the East, I mean, two teams are ruled out right away. The Marlins, no chance. Um, and then the Phillies, probably Phillies, no nope. chance either with their Nationals, current nope. situation. Yeah, and if the Nationals don't pay Soto, they're not paying Judge, who's going to be 31. So mm -hmm. it's it's got to be either the Braves or the, or the Mets. 
and I, the Mets, and it's going to be the Mets. The Braves are pretty responsible with not getting too crazy. Um, go ask Freddie Freeman. Um, so yeah, man, the Mets. I just. I mean, they asked him, could you picture yourself as a member of the Boston Red Sox? And he said, I'm a Yankee right now, but you can't tease us with things like that. Well, he did say earlier in the week, somebody asked him, would you like to play for Boston? And he did say that Boston had one of the better fan bases in MLB. (laughs) So I think that's just a middle finger to Cashman saying, ha, 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 you know, I have a huge market and, uh, you know, I'm going to get paid. Which he will, uh, Jason. Anything else that you want to add? Nope. Um, my my prediction for Judge is that he signs with the Giants, but hometown. I might be alone on that one. Yeah, hometown. That's where he's going to go. They got the money to do it, so it's uh, it's do. not a it's not a bad option there, and it's it's definitely a, a high possibility with everything uh, that we we do know about him. There's a really good chance that he ends up going back home, and it would be awesome to see him go back for like 11 years and four 400 or something like that. That'd be insane. Um, cool. Well, if nobody has anything else I want, they wanted to add, uh, Terry, you mentioned this is number 500. So congrats to you on establishing a, uh, show that's been able to survive for 500 episodes. And thank you for having us on. And we want to also thank our dedicated and loyal listeners. We thank you. We appreciate you. We enjoy hearing from you and, uh, We hope to chat with you soon and wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts, we do sincerely appreciate your support. So for everybody listening, have a great night. Thank you and take care.